And uh, we're just going to take a quick journey through the scriptures tonight and then get right into our prayer time. And uh, the title, if you want the title, is Reasons That We Cannot Quit Serving Christ. And uh, I want you to turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we started in that same chapter this morning, and we're going to start there tonight again. Philippians chapter 3, and the first reason I want to give you, and, and we have to really put this in context, we've been here, uh, our church has been in Astoria since October of 1992, and we've had Many, many, many people come through the doors of our church and uh, not all have uh, left on the best of terms. And one of the reasons why people leave is they get tired of serving the Lord. They, they just quit. Now, if you ever find yourself in a position where you need a break from your service for the Lord, you know something is desperately wrong because serving the Lord is the key that makes everything work. Uh, I can't tell you how many times uh, over the years, I mean, just as a human being, I walk up here and get on the platform and not feeling very good physically or something is going on or uh, massive construction or, or something like that and get singing those old hymns and it just goes away have an opportunity to open this book once again and present God's Word. You see, the first reason you cannot quit serving God, if you're truly saved, is because it's not you holding on to God, it's God holding on to you. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now Paul's trying to explain somewhat of a, a paradox, somewhat of a struggle that is in the heart and life of each person that has trusted Jesus as their Savior. You never can do enough to serve God. Your work in serving God is never done. And Paul says, I don't, I haven't already obtained. He said, I'm not satisfied with my service for Christ. He said, but I follow after that I may apprehend. He says, I am chasing after that thing. I mean, the word apprehend uh, is used mostly in modern day English when the police apprehend the perpetrator. Uh, he, the suspect has been apprehended. It means to capture, to get a hold of. Now Paul says, I'm chasing after this thing to try to get a hold of it. Here's what I'm chasing after, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, I am chasing after trying to make sure that I am serving Christ, but I understand something. I'm not serving Christ to earn my salvation. 
I'm serving Christ because he's holding me. Now, if you have a relationship with God where you're holding on to him, you're going to be in trouble because there will come the day when you can no longer hold on. But there will never be a day when God loses his grip on you. That's why we have to understand the first reason that we serve Christ is because he saved us. If we could approach each and every situation in our life the same way we did our salvation, life would be so much simpler serving Christ. Do you remember the struggle that you went through? Sometimes it's long and hard as you try to get rid of yourself and your ideas and, and the deception that is out there and the deception that we have in our own hearts and finally put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you remember what a relief it was to know that he was carrying the burden of your salvation? Well, you can have that same relief when you go to work tomorrow. Amen? You can have that same relief when a financial reversal comes up. You can have that same relief when sorrow comes your way if you'll do the same thing. Stop trying to take care of it yourself and let Jesus carry it for you. This is what the Bible means when it says, casting your care upon him, for he careth for you. It's realizing that you are not the answer. I can't tell you how happy I was the day I finally figured that out. You know, as a pastor, what is your part of my job? Pastor, I have a question. Pastor, can you help me with this problem? And that's what pastor is supposed to do. But I'm so happy to tell you, and I'm sure you're even more happy to find out, I am not the answer. Jesus is. Amen. He is the one that holds us. Years ago, Julia wrote a song. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Let me read you the verse. I want you to get that out and sing it again. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. And if you were to read the entire context of that, Paul is talking about great trials in his life. And he's saying, listen, we have this treasure. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of Christ in an earthen vessel in our bodies because God wants the excellency of the power to be known to be his and not yours. How many of you remember the miracles that God did in a three-year period to get us into this building and keep us here? Uh, I mean, we call this the miracle on 35th Street for reasons. And uh, in just a little over three years, the Lord raised nearly $600,000 for us to purchase this building. And I've had people say, well... Brother Montoro, we want you to help us raise money because you're good at it. 
And I said, whoa, wait a minute. I said, I'm not good at raising money. He said, what God did for us was miraculous. Only God can take credit for that. And after I help you try to raise money, you'll find out that it is not me. It is God. Amen. And so we want that treasure. God put it in us so that we could see him, not us. That's reason number one. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. And and we've been through this passage again. But we need to be reminded on a regular basis. I mean, there are just certain passages of the Bible that you need to go through. You need to spend some time in. And this is one of those. One of the second reason I want to give you tonight that a true Christian cannot quit serving Christ. You must keep going on. Number one is because it is God that has you and not you that have him. Number two is the example of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, verse 1, chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. The example of Christ. Aren't you glad Jesus went all the way to the cross and then to the empty tomb? Aren't you glad that Christ did not give up in the wilderness after having not eaten for 40 days? Aren't you glad he didn't give up after the 40,000th time the disciples misunderstood what Jesus was trying to teach them? And by the way, we have the example of Christ and we have the example of many others who have made it in their service for Christ. I get a little... Uh, peeved sometimes, uh, downright angry at others when someone will come with, why do you make such a big business about baptism? I mean, I got wet after I was saved. Shouldn't that count? And I said, well, wait a minute. Number one, we have the example of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who walked 60 miles to find John the Baptist so he could be baptized by John. I'm not going to transgress that example by making light of what the Scripture says. Amen? But how about all of those thousands of people that were punished, lost their jobs, some of them shipped to the gulags in the former Soviet Union, and their only crime was wanting to be baptized in Jesus' name? Are you going to make light of that? How about those in the Middle Ages that were drowned and burned at the stake? And their issue was baptism. 
There's some examples out there that I want to live. I mean, it talks about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And yet, I'll tell you what, this old flesh gets a little weary once in a while. And, and we, we want to give it a break. And we, well, we need to take care of ourselves. And somebody said, if you rust out or wear out, you're still out. Yeah, but Jesus was never out. Amen. He stayed in. And that's what he wants us to do. It says that we're to consider him. We're to think about Jesus Christ. The next time you are faced with something that just totally overwhelms your soul. I want you to take a few minutes and think about what Jesus endured. As he suffered and died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. This last one is one that's really mostly misunderstood here. It says, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You're still alive. Serve God. That's what that's talking about. If God wants to allow you to give your life for his cause, he will take care of that. But more often, it's the life that he wants us to live, not the death he wants us to die. And we need to look at the example of Christ. Amen? Let's go to the book of Colossians. And, and we've just scratched the surface, but my goal is not to be long tonight. It never is to be long. I mean, I could always preach much longer than I do. Aren't you glad I don't? Amen? But uh, Colossians chapter 3, and we're just going to first... It's God that has you, not you that have God. Second is the example of Christ. As long as he gives us life, we need to serve him. This next one is a little more tricky. This is something we have to work on every day. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, is, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Affections are wonderful things. Talk to Peter right now. Affections, when you're able to share them and have them returned to you. There are a few things in life that are greater than that. That's one of the reasons why people like animals more than they do humans. Is because you can read over your little kitty cat and make it say whatever you want him or her to say to you. You think they're being affectionate towards you because they love you. No, it's just they know when they come up and purr and, and treat you well, you get out the treat box. Cats are not dumb. And they're not human either. And dogs will do the same thing. But us as people... You know what? We have to choose 
to care about whom we will care about. There was a country singer years ago wrote a song. He says, how to know me is to love me. I'm perfect in every way. And everybody bought that song. You know why? Because that's what people really think about themselves when they don't have to admit it. Why wouldn't anybody like me? I'm a nice guy. I really am. Wrong. We have to be careful what we do with our affections. That's why Jesus, through the apostle Paul, is talking to the church at Coloss, and he is saying, listen, if you're risen with Christ... You've got to seek those things which are above. You've got to set your affection on those things that are above. You've got to learn to like the right things. Nearly all of my children, when my, my wife makes broccoli, they fight over it. Who's going to get the last piece? You know why? Because when they were little, they didn't have a choice. And now they've learned that it does taste good. And, but if you set your affections on candy bars and soft drinks and all of those things, broccoli doesn't taste so good anymore now, does it? You've got to work on those things. You've got to train yourself. Maybe it's going to be, if I could eat one helping of broccoli, then I can get one candy bar, right? But the truth of the matter is, we love what we choose to love. Isn't that true? And if you're in a marriage situation, guess what? You have to choose every day to continually love your spouse. If you don't, you'll begin to grow apart. And if you don't choose to love your Savior and set those affections on the things that are above, you will grow apart from Him and you will learn to like and accept things that the Savior never wanted us to accept. You often hear me talking about this new type of worship and the uh, music and, you know, people up there dancing on the platform and a rock band and everything and we're having a good time for Jesus. Where did that come from? It came from people setting their affections on things on the earth and in their heart, they were convicted that they needed to still love Jesus, and so they tried to put both of them together. You can do that, but it's not Bible, my friend. The world will never help you get closer to Christ. That doesn't mean it's wrong to own anything. It doesn't mean it's wrong to have things. What it means is it's wrong to set my affections and my goals and my life on things that I can hold in my hand, on things that are on this earth. You see, where is my life? It's hidden in Jesus Christ. He is my life. He, when he appears, 
We were dead in trespasses and sins. It is Jesus that gives us light through the life, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And in one of these days, we're going to be with him in heaven. Now, if you waste your life loving the things of this earth, I want to challenge you. You're going to be looking for those things when you get to heaven, only you're not going to find them. You ever have some special little treat that you liked? I remember there was a bagel shop in Staten Island when we lived there, when we were working in another church here in Queens before this church was started. And on Sunday mornings, we would treat ourselves to some of the best bagels I have ever had. I mean, you had an egg bagel. It was like eating a plate of scrambled eggs. I mean, it was so good. We were down there years later and said, let's go by that bagel shop. Just get one. It was closed. I'll tell you, I can't, I was so disappointed. I said, where did they go? They couldn't have gone out of business making bagels so good. They did. And I thought, well, you know, that's the way it's going to be when we get to heaven. If we've allowed our affections to be on things here on earth, they're not going to be in heaven. And we're going to be looking for them. And we're not going to find them. And believe it or not, you might find yourself being disappointed with heaven. Now that would be tragic, wouldn't it? If you want to keep serving Christ, you've got to... Get a hold of those affections and you've got to attach them to things that are above. You've got to train them. So, reason number one, you cannot quit because it's Jesus has a hold of you. Amen? Not you, him. Reason number two is the example of Jesus Christ and secondarily the example of many other believers who have followed him. Number three, if you will set your affections on things above, then you're going to love the things of Christ and you're never going to quit serving them as long as you live. We got one more. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to just look at a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. There have been a whole genre of songs written uh, basically um, against what the Bible teaches. You know, if I just had a little shack in the corner of heaven... Uh, oh, just to be saved by the skin of my teeth is all that I want. This is not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that one of our motivations for serving Christ, one of the things that will keep you from quitting on the Lord Jesus Christ, from getting discouraged with your service, is to think about the rewards of serving Christ. Look at verse 19. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves 
Do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is... That's not me. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want your heart to be in service for Christ? Put your treasure in heaven. Amen? If you have somebody that you don't like, try this. Invest in them. You have somebody that you just can't stand... Go buy him a card, buy him a little gift, start putting a little bit of money in that direction. Let me tell you, you start investing your time and your treasure, you will love that person. You can't help it. I don't care what you do with your treasure. That's why so many people all over the world wake up. What happened on Wall Street yesterday? Nothing. It was Good Friday. It was a holiday. They didn't trade. But if that's where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. If your treasure's in heaven, that's where your heart's going to be. People have often asked me, what are you going to do about retirement? I don't know yet. I'm not old enough. Well, we just retired. Uh, We got all four tires on the van replaced. Amen? Uh, That's my idea of retirement. Uh, And we'll just keep doing that till the Lord comes back. Listen, I want my rewards in heaven, not here on earth. He'll do an awful lot better job, and that's not very good English, but you know what I'm saying, than we could. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and we'll be done tonight. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 35, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. It says, Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. He says, don't cast away the confidence of your profession. And the reason we have a confidence in our profession and in our Lord is because reason number one, he's the one that's holding me. We have confidence in him because he is the one that set the example. We have confidence in him. If he love me, keep My commandments. He says, lay up your treasures in heaven. He has them prepared for us. Not even Bernie Madoff can steal what's in heaven. Amen? That's such a sad story. But you know, there were a lot greater thieves than Bernie Madoff. Maybe not individually, but you just think of all of the 
billions and billions and hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars our government has taken and just wasted. I mean, just wasted. I think it was Ronald Reagan said the closest thing to eternal life on earth is a government bureaucracy. I don't think I'd agree with that statement. But let me tell you, no one can take what Jesus has given you. They cannot tax it at the IRS. In fact, your tithing statement says no goods or services were exchanged. And the rest of that, if we printed the whole thing, would say, but intangible spiritual benefits. You can't put a price tag on what Jesus will do in your life when you obey him. That's what this passage is talking about. You see, there are people that believe. But as this verse tells us, they believe for a while. Then they drift back into perdition. You know why? Because they're holding on to Christ, not him holding on to them. Their affections have taken them in a different direction then Jesus is going. And so they have to make a choice. Either I'm going to pursue my affections or I'm going to pursue my Savior. You have to make that choice at one point in your life. I'll tell you, I love what Jesus did for me. And he doesn't want me to pay him back by doing any other thing than just faithfully serving him. You know, I was talking with a preacher. He was several years my elder, and, and uh, uh, we were, I'm actually calling many pastors right now trying to raise funds for the Heartland offering. And, uh, and he spent some time with me on the phone, which... I just never thought he would have time, a preacher of his quote-unquote importance. And, uh, but we were just talking about all of those things. He's been through some very difficult times. And he says, you know, it's just serving God is where the blessings are. He says, you can lose everything. He said, we had a guy who was on staff. He's took 80 people across town. He gutted our Christian school. He tried to start another church right here in town just to hinder our ministry. He said, but we're just going to keep serving God. You get your affection on things of this earth and you'll get discouraged and quit when bad things happen. You put them on heaven and in the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about those rewards that are laid up in heaven. And you'll still be serving him when you hear that trumpet sound. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and souls. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us to live these reasons each and every day. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just give an opportunity if you want to slip out of your seat and spend a little time in prayer with the Lord. And then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.
Let's go over our prayer list here. Um, this week, we pray for our leaders, both elected and unelected in world events. Uh, not much has changed here on this prayer list, so continue to pray for our president. Uh, pray for our military. Uh, if you need a prayer list, wave your hand there. Brother Alvin's got some copies. And uh, uh, pray for these economic decisions that are being made. I mean, there's, there's a reason why gas is over four bucks a gallon, and not a bit of it has to do with supply and demand. And so we, we need to pray. Um, there's a bill before the New York State Legislature on uh, redefining marriage again as it comes up every year. Uh, pray, pray for those men that are in the state legislature. Pray for our Congress and our governor and our mayor and our city council. Uh, and, and pray that God will give us some candidates that we can honestly vote for in the upcoming election. It has been a long time since uh, I could actually go and pull the lever as you used to. Now you fill in a circle and scan the ballot and, and actually do so with a good conscience. Uh, the best vote that I've cast in a long time was the last mayoral election, and it wasn't for Bloomberg. It was for a preacher friend in Brooklyn who was running on the conservative party. The only problem was I knew that there was no way he was going to win. Uh, I think he managed uh, to pull out about 2% of the vote. So he only had uh, 40, what, 50% more, 49% more to get to, to order to get elected, which not going to happen, but... Pray that, that we'll have some people who we can honestly vote for, start running. Pray for our judges. Uh, I don't know about you, but it troubles me whenever I hear an American judge talking about Sharia law. Uh, that just drives me nuts. Uh, but don't go do something stupid. Pray. And it happens on a regular basis. Pray for our military personnel. Pray for our police and our fire department. Uh, we just had our local fire department. They come in and inspect the building every year. And they were going through and looking at everything. And, and uh, you know what? We want them to do those kinds of things. That makes our building safer. And it makes us safer should there ever be an event. And so you pray for those men. They put their lives on the line, some of them, every day. And uh, we need to pray for them in the world to continue to pray for the uh, earthquake recovery. Um, I'm sure that they've made progress on the nuclear reactors, but there's still a lot of work to do there. I want you to pray for that. Haiti, uh, very little has changed in Haiti since the earthquake hit, and that's long, long time ago. Um, we need to continue to pray for Haiti and the Middle East and... Um, Pray for what's going on in Libya right now. I'll tell you what, it is really scary who's behind some of this stuff. And we just need to pray. And uh, pray for uh, Israel, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, then just on a side, if you want to write that, Brother George Pendergast had knee surgery on Thursday. So just pray for him if you would. And uh, 
Anything else needs to be added? If not, let's break up into our groups and pray. And uh, find somebody to pray with you haven't prayed with in a while. And then when we're done, if you hear the music playing, try to end your prayer time as soon as you can so that we can pray together and then we'll be dismissed.